Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. We are live in the Morton studio and we're going to be talking a little about early season corn growth. And let me rephrase this a little bit too. How do you grow corn when the soil temperature is ridiculously cold? You can absolutely do it. We're going to talk about it all throughout the show today. If you've got a question for us or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's going on in your farm, our phone number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so we've talked about this over the last couple of shows, but I just want to reiterate this. In terms of coronavirus, and yes, I realize you probably tuned in to not listen to that kind of talk, and we're not going to spend much time on it. But I do want to say we're getting lots of questions about supply concerns, especially product coming out of China, and really just supply in general, seed, crop protection products, fertilizer, you name it. Here's the good news. Most everything is already in place at retailers. So our suggestion for you is get your product now. We really believe that there could be some supply disruptions later this year. There could be some price increases because production has been cut at least a little bit. So I don't think there's going to be anything dramatic on the ag side and any you know big problems, any big supply issues this spring. But why not just get product now? Because here's how I've been phrasing it to a lot of guys. I say, look, the retailer you're working with probably only has a few employees. Let's say that one or two of them get sick. Well, pretty soon now two or three have to be home for two weeks because that's what they're talking about is, yep, you got to stay home for two weeks if you're sick. Well, all of a sudden, you might be waiting in line for six hours to pick up your product this spring. That's no fun. You got to have it when you need it. So why not just get product now, get yourself all set up on your farm, and then you're ready to go. Seed stores just fine when it's cold. Dry products store just fine when it's cold. And there are a lot of liquid products where there is no minimum in terms of the storage temperature. We've got some of that information on our agphd.com website under our resources tab if you want to look that up. Otherwise, on a lot of the product labels, it will say right on there if you can freeze it or what the minimum storage temperature would be. But I'm just encouraging every farmer out there, get your product now so you've got everything on your farm you need for the spring. Get your fuel tanks filled up, get everything set and ready to go, and now you're in good shape. Now you can just farm for hopefully even months, and you don't have to worry about anything. And hopefully by then all this stuff passes, we go back to normal. And in the meantime, you're actually able to raise a good crop. I am optimistic for 2020. I think it's going to be a great year. I'm super excited. I think we're going to have a good growing season. And I just really think that we've got to get ourselves all set, ready to go, get off to a good start. And that's going to signal a fantastic year for us on the farm. And I also would say, I really believe demand is actually going to increase. It's not going to decrease. Because stop and think about it. What do people do when they're nervous? When they're worried, they eat. Uh, unfortunately, I think for a lot of us as Americans, we might gain some weight here, but for everybody really around the world, I think the overall food demand is going to go up. People are going to eat more rather than less. So for us as farmers, we are more needed than ever. We need to continue providing a great food supply for all the people out there and 
let's not forget about the livestock too. They need to eat as well. So I think demand's going to be there. And let's face it, over the last couple of years, we've had terrible supply. We have not had very good yields, not had a lot of acres planted, especially in 2019. So supplies are down. I think demand is going to be strong. And overall, I think for for the farm, it's going to be a good year. All right. Well, I'm excited. We're going to talk about corn today and early season growth, because I think one of the tools that would be really important to have if you're a corn grower is just a tool to understand how corn grows. I know when I first get started as an agronomist, I went to some training that Iowa State had, and they had this great handout called Corn Growth and Development with pictures of all these different stages and exactly what's going on inside the plant and that. And I still look back on that. They've got, I think the newest version they had came out in 2011, but there, there could be a newer one than that now. But just talking about what happens at each stage of growth. And there's so many things with farming that I, I find people don't, know soils well enough like we talk about soil tests all the time and nutrients and exactly what these nutrients do inside the plant but also the growth stages of the crops that we're growing today we're focused on corn but i'd say the same thing no matter what crop you're growing you really need to understand all right what are the stages of development for that crop when are the really critical times and what can we do to reduce stress around those times and help that plant feel like everything is going very, very well. And when you do that, you end up with more yield in the end is what I found over the years. So we're talking about corn today. These early growth stages are super critical. Many times we'll focus on weed control on the show and talk about, oh boy, we got to take care of any other plant that's going to compete with our corn plants out there in the field. That's absolutely important here. We've got to take care of weed control. We've got to get our plants off to a great start. We've got to have fertility there so our plant takes off right away and grows quickly. We'll talk a lot about vigor and how we can jumpstart that. And then we just start looking at ear development on corn plants, and it happens a lot earlier than you would think on a corn plant. One thing I would challenge you this year, too, as you're digging up some relatively small plants and even bigger plants, tear that hybrid apart. Rip on into the middle. Just cut it open nice and carefully and look at where the ears are inside the plant and look at how early you can start to see things. It's it's really important that we get things off to a good start in corn plants. Yep, absolutely. And corn can germinate at 41 degrees. 41 degrees. Not 50, not 55, not 60. 41 degrees. You actually can still get an amazing stand if you do the right things when you get started early in the season. So we're going to talk about those throughout the show today, and I'll kind of close things out a little bit later today, giving you seven key things. If you literally just follow those seven things, your stand's going to be amazing, and I don't care what the soil temp is. You absolutely can plant when the the soil is cold, and for those of us in the northern United States and in Canada, we have to plant when it's cold to get all the acres in in a lot of cases. So we want to talk through this particular issue. It's been a big problem here in the last couple of years, getting corn off to a good early start. So we'll give you the answers here on today's show. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Hey, Bill. 
any advice to control tough weeds and rootworms? That's easy, Jim. Buy two, save three. Wait, for weeds and rootworms? Buy two, save three. Combine your Impact or new Impact Z herbicide purchase with a qualifying insecticide and save $3 per acre. Buy two, save three. That is good advice. For details, go to buy2save3.com. Impact, Impact Z, and Buy Two Save Three are trademarks owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Your grain bin fans can cost you a lot. High electric bills from running when conditions are not ideal, shrinkage from overdried grain, and spoiled grain all take money out of your pocket. With the Steps GMS app temperature humidity switch, get your bin fans to start making you money. Only run vans when the conditions are right. Eliminate shrink and spoilage in your bins. Deliver grain in top condition at market moisture. When every dollar counts, you need Steps GMS. Contact us today at stepsgms.com. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. The Grain Depth Guard from Farm Shop MFG has helped farmers keep their bushels safe from spoilage and shrinkage loss in bins all across the country. And this low-cost solution just became even more affordable. Farm Shop MFG is offering a $100 factory rebate on all Grain Temp Guard bin monitoring systems. This offer is available for a limited time only, so take advantage of this program now to upgrade your bins and protect your crop investments. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're talking about early season corn growth, but also taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Start off with A.J. Holman, and I think about uh, what's going on with seed and getting off to a good start. And A.J., I, I know with bear seed growth, you work on this every day, but how do we get corn off to a good start and why is it so important? Well, to answer the last question, I mean, why is it so important? Because getting off to a good start, good stand, early season growth, is really the first step when it comes to achieving maximum yields. When it comes to putting in the grain in the grain bin, it's all about getting off to as healthy a start as possible. And obviously one of which, you know, getting off to a good start is selecting good seed traits, good germ, etc. But one thing that can often be overlooked is, is seed treatment. Um, you know, in today's world, you know, seed treatment comes automatically with our corn purchase, but it's good for growers to know exactly what am I getting with that seed treatment? What am I protected against? And so with uh, Acceleron Seed Applied Solutions, you're getting a variety of different components that can really protect that seed during those early development stages. You know, we have an exclusive combination of fungicides that protect against different diseases that can, uh, you know, show up in a different um, uh, environments. You know, Fusarium, Pythium, Rhizoctonium, you know, insecticides that we offer within Acceleron. Um, protect uh, against 15 different uh, pests in corn. So, again, it's just good to ensure that whatever Mother Nature is going to throw at us, um, that we've got as much protection uh, for that large investment that is corn seed um, with having a good quality seed treatment. 
Right, AJ, we got some corn actually going in the ground around the country and some already starting sure. to emerge in some areas. What are the current planting conditions across the U.S. and, and what are some of the things that, that you're looking out for right now? Well, you know, some of the things that we see just, just here in St. Louis, it's wet, right? I mean, as of this date, um, we are already about five inches uh, heavy on rainfall compared to the average. And, and meteorologists are forecasting another wet spring uh, for many parts of, of the country. And so having that wet spring can lead to a high risk of flooding, which, you know, we're all well aware of. Um, but again, other diseases, like I mentioned earlier, you know, those wet, cool soils can in- increase the re- risk of different disease pathogens, such as Pythium, Phytophthora, and Fusarium. So ensure that we're having a good fungicide package to protect against those can be pretty vital as well. I, I would also say that, you know, uh, National Weather Service is predicting that farmers in the southwest west might expect to see below normal precipitation. So for these farmers, kind of a different type of seed treatment, having a, a biological or microbial on with their corn can actually help increase that functional root volume, making the corn plant more available to grab onto to different nutrients and different moisture, helping it maybe get through what could be a, a dry spell in the early season. Yeah, you think about that, that expanding root system to me is one of the real keys here. And if we can get our roots to get bigger, quicker. Most farmers that I talk to haven't done enough digging, in my opinion, because they'll say, what? Yeah, you can get a 12-inch root that quickly? Yeah, you can, because that corn plant is hungry early on. You know, you think about uh, some of the tough things. Brian was talking earlier just about cold conditions, and we're always planting into cold conditions. We're in the, in the north. We're a lot further north than St. Louis. That There are a lot of challenges out there at planting time. Yeah, no doubt. And, and- and I know, you know we talk about inoculants and microbials a lot in soybeans, but they're starting to become more and more of a buzzword in corn, right? And so one of the, the newer uh, biologicals or bioenhancers, as we refer to them, is our BioRise uh, corn offering. And what this is is an LCO or lipocytolugosaccharide that comes on a lot of bare seed. And with that, we're able to stimulate and increase the mycorrhizal colonization. And again, to what you were just talking about, increased mycorrhizal colonization basically gives us a bigger functional root mass to grab onto more nutrients, more moisture, helping get that corn off to as great a start as possible, ensuring that we can maximize that yield potential at the end of the year. You know, we've got a lot of challenges out there each season. We're talking about corn today with A.J. Holman with Bayer Crop Science. And A.J., this seed treatment on corn, we don't have as many choices as on soybeans. A lot of times this is getting treated up just before we go out there. How do you go about looking at some of these new things? We're getting a lot of uh, different situations coming up with corn now, and, and we're finding good products that we can put right on the seed to protect against. You talked about a little bit about some of the things that bears get going on right now. I know you've got a lot more in the pipeline too. Are there some other big factors out there that you're looking to try to, to mitigate? Well, well, what I encourage growers to do is this seed treatment space can get pretty complicated in a hurry. When they're learning about seed treatment, what's coming on corn in particular is try to break it down into the different components. So with Acceleron Seed Applied Solutions, we've broken it down into our FINB approach, and that represents fungicides, insecticides, nematicides, and bioenhancers. Uh, I've already talked a little bit about, you know, the fungicide piece. I've already talked a little bit about the bioenhancer piece. Um, but, I mean, these are good questions that growers can be asking their seed dealers. You know, what's different between this, uh, this, this seed brand versus another seed brand? Uh, you know, we talk a little bit about nematodes over the past few years. And so, uh, you know, we've seen that. Uh, 
they can rob up to 10% of our yields year over year. And so ensuring that if we've got nematodes out there in our fields, that we've got a good nematocyte to combat against it. So, you know, as growers want to learn more around seed treatments in particular, specifically on corn, you know, an easy way to do it is, like I said, break it down into the four major components that are seed treatment. And therefore, they can better grasp um, really, you know, the the complications that, that seed treatment can be in many cases. Yeah, a lot of choices that we've got out there today, but we've got some great solutions in the field. Talking with A.J. Holman here. A.J., thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks, Aaron. Have a great day. You bet. You as well. Let's head up to Kansas. We've got Jamie Lecker with us right now at Syngenta. Jamie, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you this afternoon? We're doing good. We're doing good here. You know, we're thinking about getting corn off to that excellent start early season. And 2019 gave us some pretty tough challenges. What are you looking forward to here in 2020? And what did you learn coming out of the last season? Well, you know, I think regardless of the season, there are so many uh, decisions that really set the stage that we make prior to that corn even going into the ground. Um, that we have to make sure that we're doing all those things right in order to get us to that really positive early season growth and development that we need to have, um, you know, great yield and good growth putting us on into the rest of the season. So making sure that we have selected the right hybrid. In addition, you know, did we get the planting depth right, the soil temperature right, all those things. And then incorporating the right fertility program, herbicide program, and in addition, you know, we, we're using seed treatments regularly in corn, but then do we need to consider making sure we've got a nematocyte on there? And additionally, do we need additional corn rootworm insecticide to make sure that those pesky corn rootworms aren't causing us any problems? Yeah, we do need to ask those additional questions, but I find a lot of growers don't really even know what's on their seed treatment, yet there's a tag on every bag that they're planting. Does that seem strange to you? Um, yes and no. Uh, you know, I, I think corn seed treatment is a little bit different in the respect from soybean seed treatment as far as all of that really comes treated from the, the companies. So there's probably less attention paid to corn seed treatment than there is with soybean seed treatment. But it can make a big difference in the level of activity on the different fungal pathogens that we can encounter throughout the season, especially those early season fungal pathogens. And then in addition to that, if we're getting good control of those early season insects. And not all those fungicides and insecticides are created equal. No, there there are definitely some big differences out there for sure. You know, when we look at what we see with some of the stack trait hybrids out there, there oftentimes is a little bit more cruiser or a little bit more uh, of some of the seed treatments out there. Do we look for that to continue or have we learned some lessons with that that we, we should be putting more seed treatment on all the seed? Well, you know, I think anytime we can use a good trait base and then overlap that with our pesticides that are going to reinforce the control of those pests, whether that be um, having a hybrid that is tolerant to a pathogen and then using a broad spectrum fungicide that will also help control that pathogen, those two things will set us up for success. And it's even probably more so important when it comes to some of these insect resistance issues that we're getting into, whether that be a trait resistance or an insecticide resistance. Um, So if we can have more than one mode of action, 
against those pests. Absolutely. That really prolongs the sustainability of our products that we're using. You know, it's the same message we're talking about with weeds and insects and diseases. We need multiple modes of action. Great stuff there. Jamie Lecker with Syngenta. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Avoid dry run failures with the new Hypro Force Field Pump. Providing the ultimate protection, this wet seal pump will save you on costly in-season downtime to keep your sprayer running. Now all you have to worry about is the weather. Hypro, helping you spray better. How much yield did you lose the moment you planted your seed? Introducing the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Designed and built by a farmer tired of seeing yield loss from poor stands, the Germinator gives your crop the strong start it needs for maximum yield. Visit farmshopmfg.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer, Amaranth, or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Before it's too late and white mold becomes a problem, you need to ask your seed dealer for Heads Up Seed Treatment. When raising soybeans in the Midwest, you know the risk of being caught unprepared. As heard on AgPhD, there are several steps you can take prior to planting for a successful management plan against white mold. Compatible and cost-effective season-long protection starts now by asking your seed dealer to apply Heads Up to your 2020 bean seed order. For more information, visit HeadsUpST.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup ready-to-extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're glad you're joining us today. We're talking about early season corn growth. It's so much more fun than everything else you're hearing out there in the media. Just talk about corn and talk about farming. And if you would like to chat with us, you sure can. Our phone lines are open at 844 844- 
44 ag phd okay i think this is incredibly important as farm size has gotten bigger and also as all the data has continued pouring in for decades now that hey early corn planting usually pays early soybean planting usually pays i mean early with almost any crop usually pays so more and more people want to plant early but the problem with that is sometimes we see issues where the stand just isn't good that's why we're talking about this today. I don't know if in your area you're planting already or you're not, but I'll just tell you where we're at. We farm in southeast South Dakota. We have 18 inches of frost yet in, in some spots. I mean, there's some that's it's getting closer to thawed out. But, you know, when you have over a foot of frost, we're, we're at least a couple days away from planting. <laughs> so it's going to be just a little bit. But here are the seven key things that I would encourage you to do. And if you follow these seven things, I don't care what crop you're growing, you can do exceptionally well. And your stand is going to be phenomenal. I don't care if that soil temp is 55 when you plant, if it's 45 when you plant, or if it's 35 when you plant. And yes, we have planted corn when the soil temp is 35 degrees, and I have no problem with that at all. And you're going to think, this guy's crazy. I may be, but all I know is I can make that corn grow really well, even when that soil is really cold to begin with, because it's not going to stay that way. So here are the seven things. First, never plant before the first crop insurance date. I always say this to people, you know, as farmers and agronomists, we like to think we're pretty smart, but you know who's smarter? The company that has all the data, they have all the information, that crop insurance company, and they know all across the United States or wherever you're at when the best time to plant is. So for us, for example, the first crop insurance date for planting is April 10th on corn. It's April 25th on beans. Now, there are a lot of farmers around here that want to wait till the 15th or the 20th or maybe even the 25th of April to plant their corn. And that's fine if you want to do that. But my point here is you can plant April 10th and crop insurance is going to cover you and you can feel pretty safe that you're not going to lose that crop to a late spring frost because the company has all the data. Would they really insure it if there was tremendous risk? No, of course not. So that's why they have those crop insurance dates in place. So number one is don't ever plant before the crop insurance date. Number two is the soil's got to be fit. And I get it like last year. We mudded a little stuff in. You might have too. That was at the end of the season though. We're not talking about the end of the season. We're talking about day one. Day one when you're going to plant, the soil's got to be fit. The soil's not fit. There's no point in mudding it in day one. That doesn't make any sense. So the soil's got to be fit. Next thing, I'd really encourage you, run a cold germination test on whatever seed you're growing. So like on soybeans, we run a regular cold germ test. On corn, you can run a what's called a saturated cold germination test. And we want that number over 90%, preferably even over 95%. That'd be amazing if it's corn. So all I'm saying here is no seed company out there puts the cold germ score on their, their tag. None. That I know of anyway. Even if they did, do you trust that? When did they last test it? Is your lot, is your bag, is that any good? So I'll, what I would encourage you to do is, let's say it's the first one or two varieties you want to plant, and you know darn well it's going to be cold. And even if you say, well, the soil temp's 50 when I planted, we've had it before when it was 50, and then literally within three days we get snow and the soil temp's 35 degrees. That happens. So we got to protect ourselves from that. We just have to know what we're putting in the ground. And if you have a good cold germ score, then you can feel pretty comfortable that, hey, even if the soil's cold today, or even if it's going to turn cold in the next week or so, 
I'm going to feel pretty good and my seed is still going to germinate and it's going to grow. And by the way, the germination test, when we think about germination test as farmers, so I didn't even realize this either until at Ag PhD we put in our own seed testing lab probably 25 years ago. As farmers, we think anything that germinates, does it come to life from the seed? Well, it germinated, so it, that's, that's part of the score. No, that's not. When you are scoring seeds, whether they truly germinated, it's not just did they have a sprout there, but did they have a healthy sprout? So, yes, I mean, 99% may technically germinate, but what we care about is how many actually grow to become good plants for us. So anyway, we want that saturated cold germ score over 90, preferably over 95, if we're going to be planting in cold soils. Next thing, great seed treatment. On our farm, we have 33 things on our corn seed. We put 36 things on our soybean seed. I'll restate that because you probably go, what? No. Yes. 33 things on the corn seed. 36 things on the soybean seed. And because of that, we can pop seed out of the ground usually 10 to 20% faster. We can get things to maturity faster. We can get it out of the ground, make sure we've got a good stand right off the bat, everything else. Seed treatment's a key. Don't be cutting seed treatment because you say, oh, I want to cut costs. All you're going to do is cut your profit. So seed treatments are incredibly important. Even if you're planting late. We had a lot of guys last year planting late, cutting the seed treatment. I'm going, what? Why are you planting late? Well, because it's wet and we couldn't get in there. I go, exactly. So do you think there's more chance you're going to have disease? It's, absolutely it is. When we say seed treatment, people get thinking that, well, that's just to pop the seed out of the ground. No, it's going to be on that seed, and you're going to have benefits season long. You'll literally have some of those fungicides working a month or two later. The insecticide, that's been shown to work even as long as three months later. And some of the biological products could be working in the entire season. So just because you put it on the seed, that does not mean that it's done once the seed pops out of the ground. So have a great seed treatment. Next things, in-furrow fertilizer, just keep the rate low. Keep the amount of salt you have low. A couple of tips here. Use a low salt fertilizer product, number one. Number two, blend it off with a little bit of water. That helps safen it so if any fertilizer hits the seed, it's diluted down and you have less chance of injury. But yet you've got fertility there for the young roots. That will also get you to maturity slightly faster. On average, we're usually seeing one to two points drier corn in the fall. Was that a big deal this last year in the northern United States and in Canada? You bet it was. Number six, have a little infro insecticide out there. We like capture LFR or VGR or something like that. There's also Temetry LFR that's a combination of capture and headline, and that's the next thing I was going to get to is fungicide. But there are lots of good insecticides. Now, I will tell you, we do prefer the dry products. Forest and Aztec, they're the very best for rootworm. But if all you're after is secondary pests and just protection of that seed because it's going to be sitting in the ground for a while, then the capture works great. Anyway, on the fungicide piece, we have seen good results with fungicide very early when it's cold. But when it gets later, we're just not seeing the same benefits. So for most of these things, I tell you, no matter what, you want to do this. But the infero fungicide, I don't really see that that's very necessary when you get a little bit later and things are warmer. So anyway, seven things again in review. Number one, don't plant before the first crop insurance date. Two, the soil's got to be fit. Three, run a good, run a cold germination test on your seed. Seriously, at least the one or two varieties you want to plant super early. 
Four, great seed treatment. Five, inferro fertilizer. Six, inferro insecticide. And seven, inferro fungicide. Now, you might look at all this and go, well, wait a second. The crop price isn't that good. I can't afford to do all these things. You're going to find, just at least put it on your very early stuff. You're going to find better stands. You're going to find, in the end, better yields. We wouldn't tell you to do these things if, on average, they weren't paying. So, I, 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 I'll just put it this way. Last year, there were many people that said, oh, the soil's too cold. And I got to let the soil warm up. No, you don't. No, no, no. You can't do that when you farm very many acres because look what happened. You weren't able to get back out in there in many cases. And Or if you did, now, well, now it was late. Well, delaying planting hurts yield almost all the time. Don't delay your planting. If the soil's cold, just do some extra things like I'm talking about, at least to get yourself started. Once you get out there, you get going for a few days or whatever. Well, now usually things pick up speed, right? Now you got everything running great. You're in good shape. But if you're doing that and it's already late, now you're really in trouble. So, yeah, we always want to start planting on the first crop insurance date, even if it's only a few acres. Let's get our equipment running, get some seed in the ground. It's still going to turn out great if we just invest a little extra money, take our time, do it right. It will be fine. Then you want to keep on keep an eye on that young seedling as it grows as well and make sure everything is working well in your field. We're going to talk a little bit more about that and get to some of your calls and questions right after this. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic insecticides from Atticus LLC. Unwanted insects are a nuisance, but they're no match for Serpent from Atticus. Serpent delivers economical, fast-acting, broad-spectrum control to help your corn, soybeans, and wheat crops thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Bean growers continue to see yield loss from white mold across the Midwest this season. To maximize next year's crop, a white mold prevention strategy that includes Contans WG Soil Fungicide is a must for your farming operation. Applying Contans this fall to reduce the sclerotia in the soil is the most effective way to stop white mold at its source. Go to whitemoldcontrol.com to learn more about the Contans No Risk Guarantee. Start a Contans white mold control strategy this fall or pay for it later in lost yield. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Water Hemp and Palmer Amaranth. 
Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky Herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. Hey, everybody. Come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. All right, our first question today comes from Jack. He's down in Nebraska, and he said, Hi, guys. I want to get to be part of the 300 Club, and I know he's talking about 300 bushel corn here. He sent us a whole bunch of soil tests, and his big question here is potassium. Basically, it comes down to this. He says, if I want to have more potassium in my plants, because they're showing short on these tissue tests, if I want to have more potassium in the plant, is it as simple as more potash? I'm assuming yes. Yes, it is, Jack. It's as simple as that. So we want you to have more potassium in that plant too. Now, here's the whole thing, and here's the trap that I feel Jack may have fallen into, and maybe not, but I just looked at his soil test. Okay. In a lot of cases, he's got 150 to 200 parts per million. And a lot of people are going to tell you, oh, that's fine. But let me just run through this with you real quick. Let's say, for example, that it is 150 parts per million. How do we convert that into actual pounds? And how much does a crop actually take if it's 300 bushel corn? Okay, so 150 parts per million, you multiply times 2 to convert to pounds per acre. So that's 300. Well, then you have to convert it over to K2O potassium, so that's 360. And the reason why I'm converting, oh, sorry, you multiply times 1.2, so that gets us to 360 pounds of K2O potassium. Now, the reason why we have to convert it to K2O is because when you look on anybody's nutrient removal chart, well, almost anybody's, especially the egg PhD charts and most out there, they're going to give you how many pounds you need, not of potash, not of potassium, but of K2O potassium. Okay, so anyway, don't get too confused here. Just stay with me. If I'm at 150 parts per million, that means I have 360 pounds of K2O potassium per acre. Well, you know how much 300 bushel corn needs? It needs 405 pounds, 405. So he's 45 pounds short if he extracts everything in his soil in the top six inches. Now, I don't know about your crops, and your plants, and your roots, but mine sure don't take all the nutrients out in the top six inches. It's not even close. So let's go to 200 parts per million. In that case, that's 480 pounds, and we need 405. Do you think that you're going to extract 84% of the potassium in the soil? No chance. Not, Not even possible. Let's start getting to real numbers. On my farm, I'd like to be around 700 parts per million. Now I feel pretty comfortable. That gives me 1,680 pounds, and I only have to remove 405. So I'm only taking about taking out about 25%. So for me, on my farm, I'd like to be at 700. But here's the problem with Jack's ground. It's light soil. He's got a lot of 8 to 12 CECs. Can he hold 700 pounds and not lose 
at least some of it? I don't think so. Darren, I don't know what you think, but I don't think he's going to be able to hold 700 parts per million. That's 1,680 pounds. I don't think there's any chance. Right. That's a lot. So in his case, I'm assuming he's got, well, I'm I'm sure he has irrigation because he's sending me circles of his maps. (laughs) So looks to me like he's irrigating. Well, if he's irrigating, I would suggest putting some potassium on in season. But yeah, you got to bump those numbers up. So we often talk about 4 to 8% base saturation K. And that's great if you have heavy soil. But the problem is if you have light soil, you need to be a lot closer to that 8. And some of the really high yield guys are in the 10 to 15% range because so much is going to get sucked out right away during the year. My point is this. The percentage goes really high when you don't have very much, let's call it soil, or much holding capacity in your soil. So the lighter the ground, the higher the CE, or the higher the base saturation K really should be. So my suggestion is let's get that K percentage bumped up to 8% for sure. And then on top of that, I would start adding some potassium somehow, some way in season and water it in. In our soils where we're much heavier, we don't have irrigation and we're much cooler, we can't get in season potassium into that crop nearly as easily as you will be able to. So anyway, do that and that's going to solve a lot of your problems. All right, thanks for the question. Uh, Let's jump to one here from Michael in Iowa. He said, I want your comments on a 6-inch versus 8-inch versus 12-inch soil test depth. I bought my own core, or bought my own probe. If I step on it until the foot pedal hits the ground, it's 12 inches. It seems like I should just do them at 12, so I know for sure I get them all at the same. How do you guys do this? How do you stay consistently at 6 inches? We just put a mark on the soil probe and then go to that. So that's how we stay at six inches. If you want to go 12, it's fine. But let's talk about how deep is your fertility getting. If you are putting some fertilizer down at, say, 10 inches deep, and you're doing a bunch of strip till, or let's say you're doing a lot of really deep ripping, then that makes a lot of sense to go down to a foot. If all you're doing is broadcasting fertilizer and working it in with something like a disc, a disc ripper, or a field cultivator, then it doesn't make a lot of sense because the odds are not much, if any, of that fertilizer is getting down on a regular basis below six inches deep. Other than, of course, nitrogen, sulfur, and boron, the leachables, they could move in any soil at any time below the six-inch depth. But all the things that are going to stick around in the soil, the phosphorus, for the most part, potassium, zinc, copper, a lot of nutrients that, that we deal with on a regular basis— Six inches is plenty good enough. So you just have to make this determination yourself on your farm. But the big question you have to ask is, how deep am I really getting the fertilizer? If I'm only getting it to six inches or less, then a six-inch soil test, to me, makes the most sense. All right, thanks for the question. Uh, Next one comes from John. said, I'm curious about, in your three pre-program for soybeans, you mentioned authority as one of the options. What if I use authority first and then also use your other two modes of action? Would that first rate in there cause any problems in this program? No. No, a lot of people do that. Where people fall into a trap, though, is they'll use authority first and think they have two two effective modes of action. Now, don't get me wrong. You have two modes of action, the authority and the first rate. But are they effective on the weeds you're after? Remember, first rate's an ALS product. So it's not going to kill anything that's ALS resistant, like water hemp, like mare's tail, like kochia. So if those are your target weeds, you're down to one effective mode of action, and the first rate's a waste of money. If you have a bunch of weeds that first rate's killing, then by all means, add that to the mix. 
where we see it most commonly used is in areas where they have a lot of ragweed. First rate's real good on most ragweed. There's not much ragweed out there at this point that's ALS resistant. So usually having the first rate in in ragweed areas can be a good thing. And certainly there are a few other weeds that first rate has activity on. I'm not saying it's a worthless product. I'm just saying let's look first at what are your target weeds and make sure the investment in the first rate is worthwhile. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, I got another three pre-question. This one comes from Chris. He said, I'm converting some old hay fields that used to be crops a long time ago. And I'm wondering if those fields will be, if I can do a good job on weed control using your three pre-strategy, or should I do something else in these particular old hay fields? Hey, that's a, that's a fantastic question. That's exactly where, where I was just going with my last statement on the last question. What are the weeds that we're really after? And I don't know what you have out there. When you say hay ground, that to me could mean a lot of things. And I also don't know um, how much of that field has become weeds versus what was actually left as hay. So let's just say, for example, by hay, you mean grass hay. And literally all we have out there is grass. And you've done an amazing job keeping all the broadleaves out of there for the last 20 years. Well, in that case, I'm most worried, obviously, about perennial grasses. And I'm going to hit it hard with Roundup early. I'm going to hit it hard mid-season, late season, all the time, but especially early. We've got to get that crop off to a good start. And then I'm not really super worried about the three pre thing. I'm much more concerned about let's kill grass. And what kills grass? Well, the very best thing you can do is a yellow. That's trifluralin or in, in conventional till or prowl in no-till. Then you would come real early post with a group 15, like Warrant, for example, would be a good choice. So you put a yellow down, follow with a group 15, you spray a bunch of Roundup, or for that matter, you could go real high rates of something like Select Max, for example, or one of those grass killers, one of the Clethodim grass products. Now you've got a great grass program. And if that's all you're after, hey, that's awesome. And now we were able to use three modes of action. We just spaced them out. So all I'm saying here is look at your weed spectrum. If it fits what the three pre's will do, great. But usually where we're using the three pre's with the best success is where we have lots of Roundup resistant broadleaves because the three pre's will kill all of them. We'll be right back with more of your calls and questions after this. Challenging field conditions often make harvest difficult. Can your cornhead handle it? The GTS X10 cornhead from AgriUS is a rugged, cost-effective alternative to heavier, more traditional heads. Constructed of durable yet lightweight aluminum, the X10 puts less strain on your combine without losing harvest effectiveness. And it is 40% lighter than traditional heads, reducing field compaction in those less than ideal conditions. For more information, give us a call at 8334-AGRA-US. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's Mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm fall of 2014. 
Pushing benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, they're able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2save3 is a service mark and Impact Z is a trademark owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. Hey Adam, new drone? Not just any drone. I mounted a laser on it to take out weeds. Look out for that tree! In the power lines! Oh, it's in for the house. There's a simpler way to protect spring wheat from weeds. Perfect Match Herbicide. The broadest spectrum weed and grass control in one product. Learn more at perfectmatchherbicide.com. Always read and follow label directions. The laser. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. That's exactly how John has called in from West Central Indiana. John, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm, I'm good, guys. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to get to talk to you. You bet. What are, what are soil conditions like on your farm right now heading into the spring? Are you guys wet where you're at, or do you dry out a bit? Well, we're starting to... Um, dry out a little bit, you know, we had quite a bit of snow, but, uh, you know, I, I, would say we're, we're starting to dry out. Frost is, frost is getting out of the ground, excuse me. All right. So what's the next job for you getting out in the field? Well, I, I suppose, um, and then digging it in, field cultivating it in. Sure. Sure. I understand you wanted to talk about tile just a little bit today, and I, I guess I was curious, is that what's happening in your area? Is a lot of tile going in, and and uh, you thinking about doing that on your own farm? Oh, yeah. It, it, it's a, it'd be a great opportunity to put tile in uh, to our farm. Uh, one of the reasons I was calling you is uh, solutions other than tile right now were we're really backed up in our area and a lot of our landlords that need the tile the most just they're on a fixed income and they can't necessarily afford to help us put in tile right now. Um, so what I was talking about is, um, thinking about some, some alternatives, um, and what, what your thoughts were. Um, my uncle recently got, uh, an inline ripper to try out and, uh, honestly just spitballing here. We were hoping if, you know, we could get it dry enough maybe after planting and stuff's dried out, um, you know, run it with the planter marker in between the rows just to maybe open up that dirt a little bit and, and help it drain below the root uh, 
below the root mass. Sure. Uh, so we wanted to talk to you guys just because there's a lot can go wrong, you know, with smearing yeah. the sidewall and the roots not getting out. Yep, that's our number one concern, doing any of that kind of work in the spring. In our geography, we almost never can do it, maybe one out of 20 years. But, I mean, that work pretty much has to be done in the fall around here. Now, maybe you'll luck out, have a nice, warm, dry spring. But what I generally will tell guys is by the time the soil dries out at the depth you're talking about, you probably should have been planting a couple weeks earlier, and that would have made you a lot more money. So it's possible that it can be done, but it's got to get halfway dry there. Otherwise, exactly what you said is going to happen. You're going to smear some stuff. You're going to be unhappy with it. And, you know, come back to tile replacement. Let me let me just first say there's no replacement from tile, for tile in my experience. Sure. It's the best money we've ever spent. I've We, over time, talked every landlord into doing it one way or the other. We had different arrangements. In some cases, we paid for it, but then, you know, we get a fixed rent contract for many years or whatever. So as much as we can afford it, and by the way, interest rates are now at an all-time low, so that really helps. Sure. I mean, we borrow money uh, on our farm too. So, you know, all those things, that does make a difference. And, you know, it's possible certainly to get a, your own tile plow. That's what we did on our farm. Put our tile in ourselves. So that way it cost us a lot less. But anyway, let's talk about some alternatives. So first thing is I would want to see a soil test because we want to have good levels of calcium in that soil. If you have, let's say, a lot of magnesium out there, you're going to find that that soil is poorly drained just because of that. So that's what we call internal drainage. Uh, there's just not enough pore space to let that water get down and through. So sometimes just with the use of calcium carbonate or lime or gypsum, then we end up finding, oh, hey, we're getting better water infiltration. The water's moving a little bit um, deeper through the profile. The next thing that some guys will do is they will just overall reduce tillage, uh, going to no-till, strip-till, something like that, trying to build soil organic matter because the more organic matter you have, the better your soil drains as well. There are some guys out there that have bought these, and I don't remember what they called it, but it's like a, a, a deep, like kind of a mole knife almost, like down below, you're carrying this uh, uh, it's a single shank, and you've got like almost a tube down below to create what would be like a tile line, like the space of a tile line down fairly deep. And some guys think that works fairly well, at least for a couple, three years, just to get by. But, yeah, I, I mean, I wish there was something where I could just say, yep, you do this, and now you can get by without having to worry so much about tile. But in my experience, I just I haven't found that thing. And on our farm, we've sure. tiled um, pretty much every field now here in the last 13 years, and it's literally changed our farm. It's made farming fun again. I say that to people all the time because now we can farm our fields straight through. We're not getting stuck like we used to. We can plant earlier. We have fewer seed and seedling diseases. I mean, just it. It. it I mean, if you would have told me that before we started do, putting tile in on our farm, that I was going to see that much advantage, I'd have said, Ah, come on, really. But it's it is that big a deal. And we're in relatively dry country compared to you. So all I know is. There were a lot of people yeah. in Indiana last year talking about, well, I was in Indiana several times, and I saw all the unplanted acres and just the challenges you guys had to deal with there, just like we did here. And yeah, a little more tile out there, if you can get it at some point in your farming career, is definitely going to pay. But I look into those other things. You can try some deep ripping. The odds that you're going to be able to get it done this spring 
are, I would say, relatively slim, but you never know. Maybe maybe it'll work out. Maybe that will end up helping you yet this spring. Just be a little careful if you loosen that soil up a lot. Um, you, you, you don't want to go in there and plant like the very next day because stuff's going to settle down a little bit more, you know. So just kind of yeah. keep that in mind. But as long as you let it settle just a little bit, it should be fine. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the information. You bet. No problem. Good luck, John. Thanks, John. Yeah, Darren, you're lucky that I didn't talk the rest of the show about drain tile because that is one of my That's favorite. That's a dangerous, topics. dangerous question well, to come up here. It, I, you know, it's it's yeah, just it's changed spent, our farm, so I get so excited about it. Yeah, I honestly spent a good hour working on that this morning on a drainage tile project on on some ground that they could sure use some more tile. It'd but at some helpful. point, so Darren and I were talking about this. At some point, if it's let's say river bottom ground and you can't stop the river from well, coming out of you its banks, you can't stop a flood. You can't stop a flood. Yes, but, you can. You can put in dike. So it's just by the time you put in the dike, by the time you- have a lot of neighbors that need to also put in dikes. Well, I'm just saying, you could spend all the money yourself. And so the question becomes, are you going to put money into this, into tile, where we haven't put money into a dike and the neighbors haven't put money into diking? Is it worth it? Or are you headed to just sell that ground, buy some other ground- might cost a little bit more, but in the long run, maybe that's cheaper. I mean, that's the thing we always have to weigh out. Is it worth it to fix our ground, or should we just sell our ground and go buy some other ground that would be easier to fix? Yep, especially when you can't rent it to your brother because he already knows why you're trying to rent it out. All right, let's jump into another question here. we got one from John in Mich- in uh, Mississippi. No, Michigan, sorry. Uh, he said get a, get some questions. It's one of those M states. Well, it makes a big difference here based on the question too. Uh, <laughs> it does. So, so it is Michigan. And he said, I've got questions related to early spring spraying of prees. Now that's that's a big deal in the north versus in the yep. south. Same concerns, just a longer window of concern. So his first one, he said, I've heard you talking about uh, burn down and pre. What products are you using if it's still too cold for glyphosate? Will anything else work well? Nope. As far as burn down. Now, getting a pre-herbicide out there, now's a great time. I mean, it's cold. I was telling you earlier, so much of our ground soil is 18 inches of frost. residual products, right? no problem about temperature. Right. Put that out there. That'll work great. So now's a fantastic time to get the soil residual product out on mornings when the ground's froze. In the afternoon when it's thawing, the chemical will attach itself to soil. You don't even need a burn-down herbicide. If you get that done and it starts working well, maybe all the weeds will die before you ever have to burn down. Okay, I got two more questions. We only got a minute, Brian, so you got to keep your answer short. So he's get, got some PP ground from last year, prevent plant. It was too wet to spray in the fall, but he's going to spring plant alfalfa. What would you recommend for a pre? Eptam, half a gallon to the acre, Has work to be it tilled in. in. Yep. And then the last one, he's seeding oats no-till. Uh, what would you recommend as a pre? He wanted to plant maybe in 7 to 10 days from now if the ground is fit. He's going to be putting some 28% on wheat this week too, FYI. Okay, uh, so seeding oats, no-till. Boy, we don't have a whole lot of choices nope. ahead of oats. Nope. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what you're going to do on that. Yeah, the Callisto option, I guess you have Post. potentially. Uh, post-emerge for cleaning up weeds. You've always got... What's Sharpen? Sharpen labeled in oats. I don't remember off the top of my head. It might be. Well, we're going to come back. We're gonna have to come back to this question tomorrow. Hang on to this question. Circle that for tomorrow. I will have the answer for tomorrow. Usually I can remember off the top of my head, but I don't have it off the top of my head, and I have like 10 seconds left to answer the question. So let's cover it tomorrow. Okay. 
Uh, good questions, John. We'll get right back to you tomorrow on that. Thanks for listening to our show today. Really appreciate it. We had fun talking about early season growth in corn. That's coming up pretty quick for us. Another four weeks until we can start planting here. So that'll be that'll be exciting. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.